Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Energy James. Hi, Energy. Hi, Energy. That's how I like my podcast. I like someone yelling, hi, Energy. <laughs> That's the way to start. Or opening a fresh can of kombucha. Mm, very good. Tastes like feet, doesn't it? Yeah, it's barely drinkable. Yeah, you just don't drink. Okay, hello. Before we get started with my rant about James drinking kombucha that tastes like sorry, does this cut into your day, does it, me drinking your kombucha? (laughs) Well, I'm just letting the listeners know that before we start to ramble, I do them the courtesy of introducing us. Oh, that's true. In case this is your very first episode. Mm. So, hello, I'm Claire. James is here also. He's continuing to drink kombucha into the microphone. Do you think I'm not going to drink this can of kombucha that I've opened? No, no. No, no. Go for it. The listeners have plenty of time in their day. They're not busy. This isn't cutting into their day either. This is nobody's <laughs> business but mine. No, You're the only mine. one who brought it up. I have headphones and I can hear you swallowing from here. No, you can't. The loudest swallower in the land. I'm, tipping, I'm putting my head away. <laughs> anyway, we're married. We recommend you things to watch, read and listen to. We're Suggestible Pod and we're glad you're here. And James has got a fiddle cube, a fid- fidget a fidget box. A f- what are you saying? A fiddler, a fiddle-o, a, a box of fiddles. That could, prob- <laughs> that could probably be cut into something very unpleasant. Ah, uh, no, this is the fidget cube. Ah, yeah, it's a, this is an audio medium, so explain to the listeners what you have in your hands there. Okay, so basically it's um, it's, it's one of the, orig- it's the original fidget cube. I bought one a while back and then I lost it, but I bought another one for me and our son. His is an Iron Man one. Uh, mine's modelled after the Super Nintendo controller. It's the colour scheme on it, Matt. Oh, it's nearly called you Mason. Mate. <laughs> just call me um, and, mate. Yeah. At this point, who knows? And it's just basically it's got like little dials and buttons and levers and wheels that you turn and click. It's and, very satisfying. Yeah. So it's basically if you've got fidgety hands like me and you don't smoke or vape, which I'm thinking maybe I'll just do that instead. Um, <laughs> it's just something to kind of keep you. Uh, it's really good. I wish I'd had one I was teaching. I used to drive the kids crazy because I'd always click my pen top. And I do it without even realising. I'm yeah. always clicking away. I spin a pen. You do. Which is also really distracting when you're trying to teach a class. But kind of magical yeah. and kids, like that's I one of the things they remember yeah. about you. And every class I've ever taught, they all leave learning at it, learning, learning that and then well, they go out to really the world. it's really impressive. I tried to learn it but I don't have enough patience with that kind of thing. You just need the whole of your 10. So basically you need to do no work <laughs> for the whole of your 10 and then you'll figure it out. So don't worry about ah, it. Ah, good. Yes, excellent. See, those days of... Endless amounts of time with nothing to do are behind me. Oh, my goodness. Remember those days? I really don't. You know what I was reminiscing about just before we get into recommendations? This is going to sound kind of morbid and strange, but I am very nostalgic for a time in my life where like a cup of tea was just a cup of tea and living at your parents' house, you didn't really understand all about bills and like where things went and how much money things cost and I still don't you didn't that. really know that like recycling wasn't real and that, you know. <laughs> you want to explain Because some people are going to be like, what are you, anti-recycling? Well, no, because no, no recycling doesn't really happen. No, it's like a big lie. They just dump it into the ocean or ship it in our country, uh, ship it off to other countries to yeah. deal with our waste. So, you know, just, just a lovely cheerful thought there. But I just, I was really reminiscing 
and nostalgic for that time where I used to watch Captain Planet cartoons and, mm. you know, believed if I just put my rubbish in the bin it would just be all right. Yeah, that's kind you of know? bullshit as well because they put all that on kids. There's a lot of guilt to put on a kid to be like, you're littering too much. And it's like, <laughs> fucking, you're littering too much. <laughs> you're inventing that stupid symbol with the arrows that go around in a triangle that means nothing. I have no idea what you're to... talking about. Okay, so if you look, see, because I was really Oh, the, the triangle, yeah, I know I do mm. know that. And if you yeah. look, it's on a lot of plastic stuff and yeah. it's supposed to represent recyclability, I guess, but it actually doesn't mean anything. Represents lies. Yeah, it does. Just like adulthood. I was reading a thing about, <laughs> pretty much, I was reading a thing about how like kids who grew up in like the 90s and like 2000s, which is us, I guess. Um, oh, not so much the 2000s, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, but, well, uh, pushing it there, yeah, mate. pushing it there a bit. But um, they're like we were sold this like lie of like, you know, of the way the world works and how you get a job and you go to college or university or whatever, you know what I mean, you learn a trade and then you go out in the world and your wage increases and then you can buy a house or whatever. But a lot of those things are just not a reality for a lot of people. So um, what a fucking bunch of bullshit is what I'm saying. And look, and and we, I'm very aware of how privileged we are in the place that we live and the, as in the country and the city yeah, of course, and all, those all things the are, things. Yeah. I mean, Australia is one of the wealthiest countries in the world. We're very super, super lucky. Yeah, but still the wealth um, distribution isn't great and it's getting. Yeah, worse. I know. All the, Okay, so anyway. on that cheerful note. Hmm. I guess would you like Oh my god, I've got like the perfect tie in. Here we go. Oh, do you hear it? So goes. yeah, there's a there's a um this isn't the actual name of it, but there's a uh there's a documentary on Netflix on the college admission scandal. Are you familiar oh, with this? Oh, no. Directed by Chris Smith. So it's part uh recreation of events because it's got actors uh playing roles like Matthew Modine, people might know him from acting. Uh, and it's a deep dive into the fraudulent methods used by Rick Singer to get the children of rich and famous families into the top US Oh, I remember this. I so remember this. So essentially what this guy would do, this sociopath of a human being, would kind of go to rich families and be like, hey, you want your son or daughter to get into a college, um, get them to take this test, but I'll actually get somebody else to take the test, for example, and they'll get a higher score. Or like more famously, he'd get them in through um, faking sports sporting abilities. So like wow. he'd take a photo of them like swimming and put it into like a uh, – of a, a water polo or whatever, or rowing or any of these kinds of things. What I'm loving here is how much you don't understand about the sports. Well, it's a no, but the sports <laughs> of like you're like it's just seeing some like pedaling for language yeah, well, like, around. We don't you know. Can't paste it into a, a photo of people moving I with the think, ball. I couldn't and there's think things there, and they might have teams. You know, I couldn't think sports. of the word for water polo because you don't really do it here. <laughs> Seems like a rich person sport. I don't know. <laughs> No, but, um, you don't do it. It's just that you don't do any sport other than lifting heavy things at the gym. Mate, I could outrun 100 out of 14 All right, people. I know. I Let's not tell the story again of how you beat that kid in oh the Oh, my God. Okay, race. so the year was Easter, 1997. <laughs> you, I'm sure you've told this story a I thousand times. I probably have. I'm not going to tell it again. Anyway. Uh, if I haven't, let me know of my greatest physical triumph. <laughs> um, but essentially, so he he was doing all this, right? And so they'd go into they, these Kids mostly seemingly unaware of rich parents. They'd pay like hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars to this guy as this guaranteed placement. He found this basic, basically this side door to get in. There's also the regular way where you just have to do really well, which is not a great way to get in because the applications are, you know, that there's there's not a lot of people that can get in. Or there's you go directly to the university and you donate like tens of millions of dollars and then they might let you in. So this is like more of a guaranteed way because he knew people and he in every department, it'd be like, okay, I'm going to send this person your way, this kid, and you'll get X amount of dollars for it or whatever. So it kind of 
it was this really complicated web of people um, th- that he used to, to to make this happen. And then a uh, slight spoiler, I guess, well, people would know this, but it all it all got found out. It all came undone because he was under investigation. And what he did immediately was just flip on everybody, just flip on every single person that he was involved in, all the families, all the kids, all the people in the universities and colleges, wow. and basically became an informant for this thing that he started. And then he's not in jail. He's just, he's still not in jail, even though he did this. Like he did this whole thing. And it's heartbreaking because there's one guy in particular who is this beloved rowing coach. And, you know, this the, the documentary tells a certain side of the story, obviously. And he just kind of went along with it. He was just, he didn't really know what was kind of going on. And then he just got done and he got fired and he, uh, and he had to, um, and he's got a criminal record now for this thing that he was like sort of involved in. Again, this is all like the way that the documentary yeah. frames it. But the highest profile case from this, and I, I don't know if you know of this, is uh, an influencer, a social media superstar of sorts called Olivia Jade, who's the daughter of Laurie Laughlin, who you might know as Aunt Becky in Full House. Yes, I remember. This is why I remember this yes. story. Yeah, it's so all it was coming her, back. It's all coming so back. There were a few celebrities involved, and it was uh, like Felicity Huffman was another one, and they spent like some, some minimal amount of time in jail. and Seemingly, they orchestrated these things without their their kids knowing, right? So, I kind of feel if if this is true, I feel bad for Olivia Jade because she got into this university and then she'd like before it all came out, she was like, oh, I don't know whether I even like school or like university or whatever, and all these kinds of things. And people were like, you could give this spot to like somebody who, who and they, who's worked their whole yeah. life to try and get there. Yeah, and people were saying oh, this wow. like before. Before you know, this before this whole out. thing came yeah. out, you know, because education, it's an absolute privilege. Of course it is, you know, and especially when you get into a school like this, even though the education is pretty much exactly the same as you can get anywhere or even online, you know, it counts for something to have a name to be like Princeton, Harvard, whatever. And they often whatever. say, I remember talking to someone about like who sent their kids to a very exclusive private school and they said, look, part of it is about the quality of the resources and education but a sure. lot of it is to do with who they will meet and those yes. kind of connections and all that stuff. Uh, that's, I don't know that's how a, I feel about that's that. That's simply what it anyway. comes down to because all of the classes for all of these universities, all of the resources, they're available online. Anybody can get them. It just doesn't mean anything. You know, if you could do the course, you could do the work, but if you didn't go, it doesn't, you know, you could have the knowledge, but it doesn't mean anything, you know what I mean? I, look, I agree at a, to, to an extent but I also think there is something about yes, the way sorry. that someone would deliver yeah. a lecture, but also the kind of expertise and the kind of um, knowledge and the the rigor of a, of particular schools and the way that they will run kids through an academic program. I think there's something about, and some kids are just self motivated, and some people are, but mm. in general there is something really highly valuable. And I think at the moment. In Australia, anyway, there's a real undercutting of our university system and a real devaluing of academia. And I think that's a really, really dangerous space to live in because actually there's something really, really valuable about education at that highest level. If you have really great skilled teachers that you just don't get from an online program, I know what you're trying yes. to say. No, I, but I, 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 I agree. Like, I agree with you on all of that. And I think education is obviously very important. But the way, but they're traps often these schools, you know, and it even happens here to a lesser extent though. Our, our debt is not as crippling as it is say in, in the U S where it can be like hundreds of thousands of dollars and you're just in debt for the rest of your life, even if you don't finish it and then you can't get a job. It's, it's a whole thing. I'm sure we've talked about it before, but 
So I feel like that education should be available to everybody but not at the cost that it currently is because you're just putting people in debt. That's all you're doing. It's fucked. The whole thing is just completely broken from the inside out and I think there is this emphasis on academia when maybe there doesn't need to be when these skills can be acquired in the workforce and you shouldn't have to go to school for 13 years and then do another three or four years, probably more, paying tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars just to get an entry-level position in some bullshit company. It doesn't make any sense. I think it really just depends on the area that you're going into. Yes. I think it really does. And that kind of skill set that you're – I agree that if it's a degree that isn't – teaching you rig- academic rigor and research and something that's valuable, I guess, in lots of ways. But I think there is something to be said about knowledge being really vital and important and not necessarily having to always lead you to a job, but that we really do need people to be constantly researching, which is what universities I do, com- I and agree. challenging yeah. thought and and experimenting and and I think young people really thrive in that kind of environment. They can if they're set up in the right way. Yes, but I don't think it is that. I think a lot of it is just trapping people. In yeah, but debt. you didn't. You didn't go to a university to study subjects that were highbrow. I know this sounds kind of snobbish, oh but oh my goodness. But you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, you I didn't know I didn't go into that kind of environment. In a, in a school like that where they're really pushing your boundaries in terms of what you understand about philosophy and history and language I, d- I don't and think that's what mathematics they do. I, and I, I don't think they're any better than hundreds of other universities and colleges around the world. They've just got a higher price tag. Oh, them. yeah, look, I agree with that. I, I'm sorry. I think we're kind of probably coming at the same issue from different mm. angles. What I'm saying is that I really highly value university education. I'm not. I'm not. And I and I, I don't disagree with and that. And I'm not at all. saying that. And I agree with you. I think that the value of an education is often more in the teacher that you have than necessarily the resources of a particular institution, because you can be exposed to lacrosse or water polo and all those different sports and have that kind of breadth of facilities available to you. But if you don't have a good teacher. Mm. at the end of the day, who's going to expand your mind and give you the kind of literature or, you know, academic thought or um, scientific theory and really push you and challenge you and care about the work that you do, It none of those resources really matter that much. You know, in, I think in they do. a lot of ways. I think, people, I think a lot of people take, take it on themselves and you see it in people who work online and they do online courses and in my field, for example, you can learn to edit the sound mix. You can learn Photoshop. You can you can you can learn to be, say, for example, a filmmaker purely online. And there are a whole lot of other things that you can also do just online. And you don't need any of that for a lot of people. Yeah, look, I agree. Look, I, yeah, I agree with you. I, I, but I also think that we shouldn't be just devaluing higher education. I'm not devaluing. It. I'm, what I'm saying is, I think that it's. A it's lot of flawed. it is unnecessary flawed. and flawed and just riddled with debt and privilege. That is what I'm saying. All right. Okay. Anyway, should uh, we one move more on? I just, want, no, I just wanted to say. <laughs> Everyone's um, going to be listening to this. Thing. Thing like, is, who are these two people just yeah. arguing? The other thing is, though. That's pretty standard, actually. Th- this guy creating this this side door for people to, to get into, I don't think that's any different than giving a university $10, 20000000 million. It's the same thing, really. But one is illegal and one is not. Well, it's for it's. It's deliberately misleading, though. I mean, and I think they're I, both deliberately misleading. I think it gives people the false sense of the, the false idea that you can get in based on 
your abilities alone, which is just not true. I know, but isn't that what I was going back to before? And it's funny you're talking about this because I've got a documentary to talk about as well. I don't like documentaries. All right. <laughs> I'm a working class man. Che- um, yeah, all self-taught, mate. Go on the YouTubes and learn everything. Look, you a need lot to of know. a lot of mine is yeah, but look, to be fair, when I did my business degree, I wasn't there to learn, and I didn't take advantage of any of that, and I hated it the entire time. So, like, I didn't get anything out of it, but a lot of that is also on me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that's that's not on everybody else. But when I did my teaching degree, I was very engaged with that. I, you know, I, I got to know, you know, the university lecturers and teachers and other teachers and whatever, and that was a very kind of fulfilling experience because mm. that was something that, you know, I was, I was engaged with, but I don't know what I was saying. But Can what I keep you talking saying? now? Yeah. Can I talk what you now? Saying? All right. So I guess... What I was talking about and what's interesting is I have – can I have talk about my documentary now? Yeah. 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 All right, okay. <laughs> no. Now that you've finished it, another rant about how nothing matters that and was, everything that, is – That's not what I was saying at all. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm teasing. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, so I've got a documentary called Exposed to the Ghost Train Fire that I've been watching on the ABC. Ghost and you Train? Yeah, from Luna Park. And I had no idea about this oh, story. That's what you were watching. I was wondering why I was like a lot of people died at Luna Park. I'm like crazy, all right. Yeah, no, it's really fascinating and kind of terrifying. So one of the reasons that it is terrifying is because it, again, and I feel like at this time we're just living through this whole, what's the word for it? Like Nightmare? No, it's just a time. It's a time where, and I guess this has happened throughout human history, but I feel like we're living through this time where just all the power structures and all the way we've set up our societies are just coming under this heavy scrutiny and falling apart under that scrutiny and there just seems to be so much power and like mis- mishandling and corruption yes. and the police are corrupt and yes. it's just it's just awful and that's why I was feeling nostalgic for a time when I corrupt just assumed that everything was, was you know, not, you know, wonderful but okay and so all of this. But even uh, there wasn't. It was a trick, Claire. All right. Okay. Anyway, sorry, well, go on. anyway, so Exposed is really great. It had the the first season of this. It's run by an, a multi award winning investigative journalist called Caro Meldrum Hanna, and she's the co creator of this series. She's won five Walkley Awards for journalism, and she particularly looked at her Walkley Award was for um, exposing the illegal practice of live baiting in greyhound racing, which brought the sport in Australia to its knees. Just quickly, uh, sorry to interrupt. What is, what is live baiting? I don't know what that is. Oh, yeah, I don't really know either. I think it was. I can to, give it a googs while you keep talking. Yeah, so want. it's yeah. illegal live baiting. I guess it's something. It was something to do with the way that they were treating greyhounds in training. I'm pretty sure. Uh, using live animals for the purpose of training greyhounds. But uh, okay, yeah. So it's, you know how they chase that, that fake little, rabbit around. Yeah. You use like real animals. 
Yeah, yeah. So, and it just exposed a lot of um, terrible things about the way they were treating greyhound in the industry. So, she's just this incredible investigator. The first series of Exposed looked at Kelly Lane. Do you remember that story of Kelly Lane who hid so. like I think it was four pregnancies as a teenager? Oh no, I do, I do know that. Yeah, yeah. And she was and an one went missing. Uh, yeah, one went missing and she was convicted. Anyway, so that that was really you talked about that on this. Yeah, I think we might have. Yeah, yeah. I mean that was just incredible journalism. Um, yeah. Anyway, so this has been long anticipated. This is her second season of this show and it's about an incident that happened at Luna Park in Melbourne in St Kilda, which is like a really famous – actually, I think it's a Luna Park in not in Melbourne, in Sydney. Okay, yeah, because there, yeah, there's one. Yeah, yeah, here as well, but this is the one in Sydney. People don't know it's a big fa- it's a big smiley face on the – Yeah, entrance. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is. And it's, it was sort of iconic and it's um, there's lots of rides and, you know, it's like fairy floss and the whole thing, fairground. It's a nightmare as an adult, but yeah. Yeah, I, I ne- but I don't really like roller coasters anyway. Mm. So uh, in 1979 there was a fire in the ghost train there at right. night time and six children and one adult, so John Godson and his two children, Damien and Craig, who were like five and six, along with um, – Four boys, Jonathan Billings, Richard Carroll, Michael Johnson and Seamus Sarahili, who I think were around like 12, 13, all lost their lives. And so there's this is kind of like 42 years later, Jason Holman, who was this little boy who was a bit younger than those four boys. It's it's just so crazy. He was the sole survivor. So there were five of these kids that took, uh, took themselves off and were given permission to go to Luna Park for the very first time away from their parents. Yeah. Um, and their parents had decided that this was something they could do together. So they got, you know, the ferry over and got the tram and everything and they were so excited to be there and it was like towards the end of the night and it was the last ride that was going to be kind of running at Luna Park. Everything was shutting up sure. and um, they decided to go on it at the last minute. Now the two boys ahead of Jason both got into carriages and while that was happening People who had been going around the ghost train, which is, you know, one of those things where it's a whole long winding tunnel through the dark and it's like, ooh, and, you know. Things, cobwebs Yeah, cobwebs and skeletons dangling and that kind of thing. Had People had started to notice there was a fake fire in the ghost train and the fake fire started to flicker like a real fire. And one woman remembers putting her hand out going, that actually looks real now and put it, and it was hot. She's like, that's strange. And her carriage just sailed past. And then as more and more people sailed through past it, the flames started to lick up the walls. And then all of a sudden people realised that the the whole wall was on fire and it really was a problem. Um, And so by that point, because it's the 1970s, for some reason they didn't have – you know, smoke alarms and no. I don't know, like it just seems crazy security now that cameras, security cameras, yeah, yeah. nothing like that. The guests started to like notice all the the people who were on the ride started to notice what was happening, tried to escape, managed to escape and ran around to the attendant who was sending all these kids and families onto the ride and yeah. said, it's on fire, it's on fire. And he was confused and didn't know what to do and pressed the button and sent those two no. carriages with the two boy, four boys ahead and Jason was on the last carriage and just as the doors opened, because you know how you sail through on a little train yeah, carriage yeah. and the doors shut behind you, just as the doors were about to shut behind Jason, the guy kind of came to his centres and grabbed Jason off the carriage. Yeah. But by that point, it's so strange, it was too late for those other boys that had Must gone have been through. really going at that point as well. 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was, and that's the thing because it's so dark and twisty and turny. Yeah. And it's probably not a very big space either because they often. Yeah, it kind know, of. They on. show the map in the yeah. um, expose, and it it kind of winds around. And there's one part which is so eerie, which is open to the public, so it's like a kind of a cage. Yeah, and the carriages sail through that, so that you know you kind of come out into the daylight for a minute and then get shoved back into the tunnels. Sure. And people said there was carriages coming through on fire but with no one in them. Jesus. And so, like, a crowd kind of starts to gather. There's smoke, like, billowing. And then they interview the attendants and there's one guy who's so lovely who was, like, I don't know, 19 or something, who was who worked the ghost train and he felt said he felt like a rock star working the ghost train. Everyone thought he was really cool riding, mm. you know, going into work with his T-shirt on because Luna Park at that time was like the place to be. Yeah. It was like the sort of nightlife for young people and families mm. in the 70s. Um, and so he raced in with one other guy to try and get as many people out through the fire door as he could. He said it was just billowing with smoke. Yeah. And he turned a corner and there was just like a raging inferno. And he managed to get a whole lot of people out. Yeah. And they, she talks to people who did, who were in there who managed to get out, but he remembers going back in and he saw, oh, it's, it just makes me cry, he saw the father um, who was John Godson and his two boys, Damien Craig, mm. and John Godson was kind of had his arms over the two boys and they were crouched down in the corner because it was obviously it would have been so dark and so thick with yeah, smoke. Yeah, because it was pretty disorientating. It, they were disorientating there. anyway, so... You, he couldn't say, and he was trying to get to them, but he got overwhelmed by the smoke and he had to run out. God. And so he remembers seeing them there. Um, and the noise of it as well. Cause like the oh, yeah. Like, it was yeah. Like, and then they said what else, what was also really spooky was that kind of happened, the attendant ran out, and then the whole place exploded. Like a giant fireball kind of came rushing out of the corridor of the ghost train and kind of ran, went up into the air. And it, she interviews the wife of John Godson, who literally was supposed to be on the ghost train with them, but just went to go and get an ice cream. Mm. And she's walking back with her ice cream, and her son, her two sons, and her, her husband are just. She's just standing there watching the whole place go up in flames. Um, it just, it just breaks your heart. And then these four boys, and they get, you know, they're just the most. The way that the families talk about them, you can see they're all really talented and really mm. highly gifted. They were kind of these muck about kids who would go sailing together. And um, Jonathan talks, Jason talks about the four boys as being like his mates and super funny and really kind. And you just see all these beautiful photos and the families just talking about how gorgeous they were. And yeah, anyway, it's just it's heartbreaking. But then. I guess what makes it more heartbreaking and what's kind of where I come to with what you were talking about, it slowly is being kind of uncovered that there was a massive cover-up. And so I won't spoil too much. Um, There's six episodes. So this is just the first episode that kind of lays the groundwork. But basically what they say is literally the next day. So that night the whole place has gone up in flames in a big fireball. The fire brigade's gone in. The police have gone in. No one speaks to John Godson's wife. She's just sitting on the steps sobbing. Mm. No one reached out to her. No one told her what had happened. She just sat there crying and crying. Mm. She said, and the ambulances came. And the families as well weren't like only saw what happened on the news and their boys hadn't come home. So some police came to the door and said, have your sons come home? And they said no. So then the fathers drove into Luna Park and they're just standing there but there's no one to talk to them Jesus. or tell them what's going on. I know, so it just makes you think about how far we've come 
in those kind of things because I'm looking and it's just like now it's just sort of unfathomable that people would just walk past this woman who's just lost yeah. everything and no, there's no social workers, there's no psychologists, there's no team to come around her or, you know, anything. Anyway. So she's still alive? Yeah, so she's interviewed. Yeah. It's just, oh, my God, it just breaks your heart. Um, But then what was really scary is the next day, um, by 3 o'clock that day, the papers had all released this story that said it was to, to do with the power fault. There's like a power voltage, an electrical fault, and that's what caused the fire. Right. And then when you talk to all the firemen and your dad's a fireman, you would mm. know, like, that, like they couldn't have known. They couldn't have done a thorough investigation. Literally the entire. Not in a day. Not in a no. day. The entire ghost train had been completely obliterated. Yeah. And they were still kind of dealing with the bodies and all that stuff. So what did they tell you what it is? So you start to get hints and I don't want to give – should it's I spoil it? It's only the first episode it? as well. So the I've, yeah. I've kind of read a bit more yeah, and I'm yeah. looking forward to it. But, but basically what they're hinting at is that um, it was started by a mafioso and it's something to do with the politics of Luna oh. Park and the land but I and something to do with the value of it and that the head policeman – like waterfront like – yeah, property. prime yeah. property. And the the policeman who was head of the investigation was hot, known to be highly corrupt. So he's the one that pushed for it to be called an ah. electrical fault. So it's it's starting to uncover some deep seated corruption I've never within the heard police of this. force. I know me neither. Yeah. I hadn't, but it's just it's really worth the watch and it's just such excellent investigative reporting. I mean it's look, it's it's hard to watch. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. Yeah. But I what I really valued about Carrie Meldrum Hannah's reporting is that she really allows you to walk in the shoes of the people that have been affected mm. and you really get a sense of who the boys were, who they were to their families and just what the enormity of what they lost. Yeah. And you, there's this, the, the thing that broke my heart the most was this guy, Jason, who seems really lovely. He still can't believe 42 years later that that happened to his mates. Yeah. Like one minute they were just, he was like the young kind of follower honor of these like really cool older kids who were awesome. Yeah. And the next minute they just were gone. And he said when he got home, on the night happened, the police got him home and all he wanted to do was see his mum. And he opens the door and he's standing there with two policemen and her immediate reaction was, what have you done in this really like <laughs> angry parental, like I've, this is the first time I've ever let you out on your own, what have you done? And then they tell her and he, she just like engulfs him in this giant hug and won't let him go. Mm. Um, and he said that's just what mums do. And he said then they put him to bed because it's that kind of era and he remembers like the parents of the other boys had come back to the house and he comes down the stairs and he's, you know that when you're a kid you're like observing adults yeah. and when you're not supposed to. Mm. And the father of one of the boys who seems like this quite like jovial, lovely kind of guy, he said the phrase was, I just watched him melt. And that Jesus that God. is actually the most traumatic memory I have of the whole thing. Mm. Not even the fire and everything. He said watching this man just, just go to... Yeah, just melt and the yeah. the whales and the it just it's just like 
har- so harrowing and then so <laughs> anger-inducing. Because That's the worst thing I've ever heard. Isn't it? I'm so sorry, everybody. This is not a very cheerful episode. Normally I bring the grim stuff. I know. Claire. What is going on? I know. I know. I've got, an, I've got a fun thing cool. to recommend oh, sorry, I've got this. one too. That reminds me because there was an, not a similar accident. There was an accident at Dreamwater a few years ago, not that long ago. Yeah. Where there's a there's like a white water rafting ride. You remember this? Yeah. Basically, you sit in a big kind of circle and you go down a fake rapid, and the thing that fucking flipped right near the start and just like decapitated like a bunch of people. Like, oh my god! Dream world, dream world on the Gold Coast, mate. <laughs> Jesus. Like that's a road that ride that I've been on like multiple times. And look, no, obviously it was not, it was nowhere near when I had gone or whatever. But no, but it's all about you. You just kind of take you know, but you just kind of take for granted that these things are safe. You know mm. what I mean and. So I'm I'm pretty wary about like the stuff that I would do or go on now. Like I wouldn't bungee jump, I wouldn't skydive, I wouldn't certain rides. I just wouldn't go on now, and it's because yeah. it's just like I don't want to accidentally die. Yeah, yeah, I think. Mm. To- yeah, I mean, look, I don't think anyone's act- like hoping to accidentally die. No, of course not. But you just kind of you're more aware the older that you get, yeah, and maybe the more you have to lose, and maybe having kids too plays sure, a part it of it that all plays as a well. Factor, yeah, um, but I mean, I've always been. <laughs> This is not surprising at all since a very little, a very cautious yeah. person. And I hate that. Like I'm not cautious in life things like trying, you know. Take a chance. Spend, take your chance. Like risk. Like in You'll terms, get on stage and yeah, whatever. In, in yeah. front of people or trying new ideas or like looking. Not, I'm not scared of looking the fool or whatever. I, <laughs> it's quite regularly at like trying too. new things or making <laughs> mistakes or whatever in life. Yeah. But physical stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, mate, I'm you got so to an age, cautious. I think pretty recently where you're like, I'm just not going to do any of that stuff. I don't no. have to and I won't. No, because yeah. for years I would just get this sick feeling of dread. Like people would take me to rides or roller coasters or like make yeah. me, like even our honeymoon when you're like, well, you know, you did a bungee jump thing and not nah, Terrifying. Terrifying. And yeah, that and was terrifying. The day yeah. that I realised that sick feeling, because people would be like, you'll do it and then you'll feel nah. on top of the world. No, I just cry the whole time and I cry we did afterwards. A, <laughs> we did a, a giant drop, which to your credit was absolutely terrifying. This you is in New gorge. Zealand. Where oh basically gosh. they take, they just kind of they swing you out over like a canyon and you just drop like 150. 30 metres or whatever it is and, like, swing out over a gorge. And you cried, like, leading up. You cried (laughs) on. You cried as we were doing it. You cried as we're slowly being dragged back up, which is the worst part. That was so terrifying. And then you cried as you got off. It was like you cried the entire time. And I don't blame you because, really, it's a completely idiotic thing to do. I just. It's like, because it is is this, though, because, like, that and bungee jumping, it's just falling to your death. Yeah. That's all it is. Like, but you don't die. Do you know what I mean? But there is that feeling. Of like, I'm just falling to my death. Yeah, here. I know. And people, it's so strange to me though, because I've never experienced it. But people love it, like that adrenaline I think it's something junkie that thing. Also, you you become accustomed to. No, no, no certain people do. Like, I don't. Did you, you yeah, did you watch some that? Some people love it. Did some you? people find like obviously not just some people. A lot of people because yeah. because fairgrounds and roller coasters and rides. Like that that's all universal, yeah. all over the world. People do it all the time. It's just not I've just never experienced that. The park is so it's so rattly as well. That's what I remember most about it. Like yeah. every ride just rattles as you're going along. Oh, on the it. roller coaster. And that roller coaster one that goes all the way around the outside, that thing's like hundred and twenty years old or no something like way. that. I'm not even gonna I don't know if they do it now, but there's a person on who would stand on the back and when you get to the very top, they'd like scoot. Like they'd scoot like it's like a skateboard to like 
pushed it along. Oh God, it's even so now I'm just getting that horrible sinking feeling. It's you know what? It's only now as an adult, probably in the last year, that I've been able to articulate the fact that I am terrified of heights, like a phobia, terrified yeah, right. of heights. Mm. And no one had said that to me before, and I hadn't. When I finally understood that about myself, it was so freeing. Yeah. Because I just thought there was something wrong with me that I would fr- like I literally freeze on the top of things. And get trapped inside like playgrounds. I think still, I think all that's (laughs) fine though. I think that's all very reasonable. You know what I mean? To be terrified of heights. Yeah. You should be. Yeah. Because you'll fall to your death. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Would you step out on like a glass like walkway, like something like that? I could do it. Yeah, but I don't enjoy it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not there. And I, but that's not as bad as like walking to the edge of a cliff or something and looking no, down. No, but I get this horrible feel. Like if I'm on at a really high building yeah. um, with a really cool view, I love a view, don't get me wrong, I mm. love a view, but at a certain point, depending on what the railing is like, I just get, I can't get too You get close. that feeling? Yeah, yeah horrible yeah, feeling. I mean, yeah. Like this fear, This is a fear that I've carried a lot actually after having kids that I'll just accidentally drop them over the edge of something. I, yeah, I have exactly the same thing. Terrified. I feel like when I walk past like a set of stairs or like I'm on a balcony, yes. even though like I'm not going, you're not going to, but you could, you know, it yes. happens. People, It has happened to people. Oh, my you God. Know. And it's just this horrible, horrible fear of mine. Yeah. Isn't that, it must be biological. There must be something going on there with like your ability to sort of think about the dangers of things mm. or something. I don't know. Anyway. We might have to leave our uh, other recommendations for next week though. Yeah, I know. We've just basically uh, traumatised people for 37 Do minutes. Do we have an ad this week? <laughs> no, we don't next week. Good. We'll sell out next week. Should we, uh, should we do it? We've got some listener reviews and questions. Reviews, yeah, go for it. Hey man, if people want to, hey man, if people want to review the show, they <laughs> can do it. It really helps. And if you want to tell somebody else about the show, that really helps because that I feel is the number one get out totally. there podcast. Yes, please. If yeah. you have a mate or a wife or a partner, or a that, dog, or a dog that would like this show that doesn't like the Weekly Planet and don't understand your love for it. Give us a bell. Yeah, give us Put a us bell. Put us on. We're, We're better all than right. that piece of shit show. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that, and some people, I, I've had people in my life all like, what happens if I just download it? Like, I won't listen. I, down, I just don't. I don't want none of that shit. <laughs> you can just say you're not going to listen to it. I don't care. It's not for you. So oh. if people that you think might enjoy it, um, yeah. that'd be great. There's nothing worse than like someone you know who listens worst. to it but kind of clearly doesn't really get it. Yeah, which is, <laughs> then, of course, why would you? Especially also if you know us, why would you then listen to doesn't us? doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you wouldn't. <laughs> no. makes no sense. No, but people are so nice yeah. and supportive and I really appreciate but them, like, unlike it, you. But everybody <laughs> I know, like all of my friends, they don't listen they, all my friends call me Mr. Sunday Night Movies because they don't know, <laughs> they have no idea what it is I do or, but yeah. Uh, but anyway, whatever. Anyway, this is a review. I haven't corrected them. I probably should. Um, a podcast for couples. I love this podcast. I'm a fan of both James and Greg from their other podcasts, but this one is my favorite. I listen to this with my partner every week. We love watching the movies they recommend because they span multiple genres so we can both find something we enjoy. But my favorite suggestion so far was a poem called Home 
by Warson Shire. Oh, that was my recommendation. I'm not much of a poetry person, but when Claire read it to me on uh, read it to not read it to me, read it on the pod, it instantly uh, stuck with me. Thank you guys for all the good you do. While you're re- uh, reading this, I would like us uh, to suggest an album called Spark by Maxwell Young. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. It's smooth and melodic, but with hip hop and soul elements. Some of the tracks get a little experimental, but don't let that stop you from giving it a listen. From Rex Quimpo. If I feel like I've read that before, have, you, have I read that before? I've, I've definitely heard that before, but yeah. I, don't, I don't mind because I like a good review about myself. So yeah. that's fine. Regardless, thank you, Rex. Yeah, thank maybe you, I've Rex. just read it in the in the list of reviews. But maybe you have. Well, that's cool. Good unlike stuff. you, I'm organised. I love being organised. <laughs> so um, we have got an email today and it's a voice memo from Alan Kerr. We love getting these. So we love them. We, so if you'd like to send us a voice memo and we'll put you on the show. And here's Alan. Hello, Claire and James. How's it going? This is Alan from Glasgow in Scotland. Uh, and thought I'd send you a wee voice message because Claire enjoys hearing different voices from different parts of the world. I so do. I thought I'd chip in with mine and uh, consider this a kind of a, a cultural exchange from me to you. Um, so here's some things that you might find interesting about Scotland. Claire, did you know that we recently became the first country in the world to tackle period poverty by offering free tampons and sanitary pads to any and all who need them? Isn't that pretty cool? I didn't know that. That's and James, amazing. did you know that the new Batman film was filmed here? Uh, partly in the, the Glasgow Necropolis, which is an old cemetery from the 1800s. Uh, and finally, here's a wee joke that apparently you'll only understand if you're from Glasgow. So let's see how you guys do. So a guy walks into a bakery and says to the baker, see that there? Is that a cake or a meringue? And then the baker says, no, you're right, it is a cake. So, hi. Thanks. Wonderful recommendations. Big fan. Keep it up. Hope you guys are safe and doing well. Thanks very much. I was waiting for the punchline. <laughs> I thought the cake was going to say hello or something. Oh, there. The- there must be a word in um Yeah, it must Scottish. be region specific. It must be. Well, Alan, I hope it you. is because otherwise delight. we're stupid. Wasn't that nice to hear Alan's voice? It's nice to hear His different dulcet voices. Tones. Yeah. I just got it just now. I just remember. I just figured it out. No, he didn't. I he didn't, Alan. He didn't. But I it's going to eat, it, eat at him all day now. All right, well, thank you so much, Alan. And if you would like to send your voice memo or just an email, we'd love to get those as well. Send them to just suggestiblepod at gmail.com. Yep, 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 yep. Suggestiblepod at gmail.com. And you can also get a letter from me every week if you like. Uh, Just by following the link in the bio, it's called Taunts. It comes out every Friday. It's just a little reflection on on a bit of life from me. Uh, Brittany Dawson recently wrote in about the newsletter and I just thought I'd read this out to you, James. Oh, let's hear Is that it. cool? Hi, Claire and James. Let me start by saying I love your podcast, especially this one. I love your podcast. <laughs> I love your podcast. My husband introduced me to the Weekly Planet a few years ago and I'm so happy I explored the other shows. Now, to get a little sad, my father-in-law passed away on January 30th of this year. We were very ah, close ooh. with him and it's been rough. We're coming up on two months now and every time I start to feel okay, I'll hear a song, he was a lifelong musician, or have a memory and it just breaks me down and I know it's so much harder on my husband. Every morning I try to wake up a little early before work to drink my tea and just enjoy the morning. The last few Fridays, Claire's newsletter has been quite literally helping me get through the day. This morning though, as I sat with my tea and listened to the birds outside, I burst into tears and reread the newsletter three times. 
Though you made me cry, it was exactly what I needed this morning. And well, sometimes you just need a good cry anyway. I agree, Brittany. So thank you for making me laugh, read, watch, listen to new things. And now thank you for making me cry. Love you guys. Brittany from New Jersey. It's my dream to make someone cry. <laughs> We well, bloody make me cry every oh, day. <laughs> of paradise. happiness. Of oh, happiness. Okay. Anyway, thank you, Brittany. I'm people so are loving that sorry newsletter. About your and I know you've got a lot of feedback. Speaking of people we know, people we know have written to you about that. Also, that yeah, um, I am. Um, yeah, because you're building a website really... as well for another project that you are currently working on. Correct. And I, am. Um, I hope you you put all your posts up there as blog posts at Maybe some point. But in the meantime, people should sign up. Thanks. There's yeah. already 40,000 people signed up <laughs> and we, we need more. There's, there's, and I just really value, if, you, if you'd like to hear a little letter from me or read a little letter from me every week, I would love to send one to you. And you can also read the past issues. That, that one about grief that Brittany's talking about was from last week. And you can find them all um, at the link, so in the bio. Oh, there you go. So they are available. Yes, they Good are stuff. all available. Cool. All right. Uh, next week, the same show, but recommending different things. Or maybe I'll read the same review again. I think I may have done that. I don't know, Claire. Who knows? I'm very tired. We do not sleep a lot. No, we don't. But I think that's a result of being too fucking awesome. <laughs> that's probably why. Look, it's always good to have high hopes, isn't it? It certainly is. All right, let's go and do a different All thing. Okay, right, bye. I'm going to go watch some Mortal Kombat shit. Right, I'm going to watch the second episode of Exposed. Oh, my oh God. God. This is, we're going to have a great night. <laughs> Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's, it's up to you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.